16 will be to 1. The 16 will be to 1. Georgetown, Princeton. 1989, Georgetown, Princeton. Pete Carrill's my hero. Pete Carrill's my hero. Since 2012, four 15 seeds have beaten twos. Norfolk State, 21 point underdog beats Missouri. Huggy hates Stephen of Austin. 14 beat 3. 14 beat 3. 2016. Only twice in the last 18 years have the fives all beat the twelves. Seven years of the first four, one team has always made the second round of the tournament. Since 2000, only once have all the six seeds advanced. That was 2004. We are under three weeks until Selection Sunday. We're in the home stretch. We're in the big push, the final drive towards the moment we wait for all year long. March Madness is upon us. And all of us are going to be filling out brackets, competitions, trying to predict. And the entire population is going to be trying to predict upsets and say with certainty and definitive conviction that they know who's going to make the Final Four. People will pick by colors. People will pick by mascots. People will pick by geographic locations, where they went to college. But you listen to the Screen the Screener podcast. You listen to Gus and I talk about the sport that we love, above all others, every single week. And if you've been a loyal listener... We've talked about the big schools. We've talked about the small schools. We've talked about the upsets that can happen. The players, who's overrated, who's underrated, what coaches are great, what coaches are going to be fired. So it only makes sense as we approach the zenith, the pinnacle of our year, that we should provide you with something that helps you predict the bracket better. And that's what I'm going to do. Practice. Rocky practice. He went out there, he got up early, he was training, he was climbing mountains. And that's what I'm going to do with you with the Bracketology. We are going to practice 
predicting the brackets as many times as we can from now until March Madness. We're going to use Joe Lenardi's bracketology. We're going to use Jerry Palm's bracketology. We're going to use Howie Schwab's bracketology. And we're going to predict it each and every day. Now, it'll change. There'll be teams I like now that I don't like three days from now. There'll be teams that aren't good now that I'm going to like a week and a half from now. But you'll get into my mindset. You'll get a chance to think what I'm thinking. And you don't have to follow everything. You'll have your own opinion. But maybe you'll hear a nugget or two. Maybe you'll like the teams that I like from the low seeds to go far. Those 10s, those 11s that I think are going to make the Sweet 16. And we'll talk about matchups. We'll talk about what happens when an up and down team plays Virginia. We'll talk about what happens if Cincinnati were to play Virginia. You know I'm on the quest before I die to have the perfect bracket. You'll say it's not possible. You'll say that there's billions of possibilities, but I'm going to take up the challenge like Rocky with Apollo Creed, like Princeton against Georgetown in 89, and they almost pulled it off. Someday a 16 will beat a one. And years ago, they said it wouldn't happen. And someday someone will have the perfect bracket. And I'm going to make sure it's me. And I invite you into my mind here on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast to join me in this journey so that when it happens, we can celebrate together on the top of that mountain. So our first breakdown is going to look at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, his latest one that he has up from ESPN. Let's start with his South bracket. Now, in order to predict the perfect bracket, you have to get the playing games right. I'm not going to cheap out here like some of these bracket challenges do and just put in winner versus number one seed of Virginia. No, no, we're going to predict the playing games. Joe Lenardi here has number 16, Nichols, Colonels, from the Southland. Number one in the Southland right now, 12-2, and two, going up against number 16, Savannah State, tied for first in the MEAC. You got two up-tempo teams here with Savannah State fifth in the country in points per game and Nichols 18th in the country in points per game. The big difference here, Nichols gives up about 76 points per game. Savannah State... 94.1, 351st in the country. We're going to move the Nichols Colonels forward in the Southland to face the number one Virginia Cavaliers. Nichols will get a win, and then Nichols will get a loss, as Virginia and their stifling defense will certainly advance to the second round. Next, we have eight-seeded Arizona State Sun Devils facing number nine Seton Hall Pirates. Now, Arizona State's an interesting team. Scalding hot earlier in the year, one at Kansas, great guards, Trey Holder, Remy Martin, Shannon Evans. Bobby Hurley, very good coach. And the Seton Hall Pirates. Talent all over the place. Angel Delgado inside would be the best player on the floor in this matchup. So much talent. Can do so much. But the problem is, Kevin Willard has this team underachieving the entire season. They haven't gotten better. They got worse. They just beat DePaul at home by five points. What makes you think that they would go down to Charlotte and play Arizona State and beat them? Guards win in March. Arizona State has plenty. They also shoot the three. They also play harder. And they also have much better big wins than Seton Hall does. Seton Hall's not playing well. Arizona State's starting to get out of the funk a little bit. I'll take Arizona State here to advance to the second round. Then another playing game here in the South. Number 12-seeded Syracuse Orange versus the 12-seeded Texas Longhorns. Syracuse zone is a problem. It's a matchup dilemma. That same zone, 
stifled Virginia a few years ago in the Elite Eight and overcame a 12-point deficit with the great Malachi Richardson. But now here's Texas. Here's Shaka Smart. Mo Bamba inside. Starting to get it together. Starting to play well. Heating up here late in the season. Playing in the Big 12. Cutting their nails on a tough conference. That Syracuse zone can cause problems for anyone, but Texas has size. Dylan Ostakowski can go inside and outside. He's got athletic guards. They'll D up Tyus Battle. And I have Texas moving on here from the 12 seed to play Rhode Island, the Rams. Now, if you heard my intro, a play-in game team has advanced to the second round every single year since the first four first started in 2011. It's not going to happen here. The Rams are balanced. They have tremendous guards. They can shoot it. They have Barry inside who's a big guy. I don't see it happening. I think it's a close game, but I think the lack of Andrew Jones and the strength of the Rhode Island guards and their experience last year almost beating Oregon, I think that pushes them through to the second round. Next game, number four, Wichita State Shockers versus number 13, Vermont, would be a popular upset that people would pick, especially if Anthony Lamb returns. Vermont just outstanding John Becker. Trey Bell Haynes has been incredible this year, but Wichita State's on a mission. This is not the team that Vermont's going to get. There's a lot of matchups that Vermont could have that I would like Vermont. This is not one of them. Not a team that is playing better defense. Not a team with a superior point guard to Trey Bell Haynes. Not a team with a great coach in Greg Marshall. And not a team with inside force and strength that's going to be able to push around Vermont. This is not the matchup. Wichita State moves on. Bottom half of the bracket. Texas A&M has the sixth seed versus number 11 NC State. This is an NC State team that's 18-9, and 8-6 and six in the ACC. And don't forget about that run there in the middle. That incredible run where they defeated number two Duke. They defeated number 19 Clemson. Then later in the month, number 10 North Carolina on the road and have currently beaten Syracuse and Wake Forest back to back. This is a dangerous team. Kevin Keats is an up-and-coming coach. He's realigned that program at NC State and has them going on the right path. They have Alaric Freeman, 15 points per game, chucks the three, shoots 76% from the free throw line, and Omar Yurtsevin, the big man inside, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 49% from three-point range. They shoot the three, they get up and down, they're well coached, and the Wolfpack are going to face a Texas A&M team that has discipline issues, that's kicked kids off, that's suspended kids, that shows flashes of brilliance, but can't put it together. On what basis would I believe in the Billy Kennedy Red Raiders when they have not been able to be consistent all year? Sure, they have two great big guys. Absolutely. Williams, Tyler Davis, and they beat Auburn and Auburn when Auburn was healthy. But that doesn't mean a heck of a lot to me. I think NC State takes them. I think it's 11 beating a 6, which goes back to no group of 6 seats has ever advanced except for once since 2000. And I like them moving on. Next game, number 3, Texas Tech versus number 14, Belmont. Now, when we do these predictions, we're going to do them based off right now. If this game was happening right now. And if this game was happening right now and Texas Tech did not have Keenan Evans, the Belmont Bruins would move on. Rick Bird's been in many NCAA tournaments. He has a style. They dominate the Ohio Valley. They're 14-2 and two again this year. They love to shoot the three-point shot. Dylan Windler, 42% from three. Iga Kezi, 42%. Kevin McClain, 37%. Austin Luke, 43%. They'll shoot it. 
Those four guys I just rattled off all have at least 100 three-point attempts. And with Texas Tech's help and recover defense, that's going to give them problems, especially when you can't count on them for consistent scoring because Keenan Evans won't be there. That's right. I'd have the Belmont Bruins of the Ohio Valley moving on from the 14 seed. Last two games, number seven, Creighton versus number 10, Louisville. Louisville is not good. Louisville is in free fall. Feel bad for David Padgett. Works hard. Good guy. Bad spot. They're facing a Creighton team with Greg McDermott as coach, with two outstanding guards in Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas. And I understand Creighton lost Crample. And they also don't play great away from home, but they play well enough to get by Louisville. Are they pressing? Are they not pressing? Are they scoring cons- uh, consistently? And there's a huge he- edge in coaching there, which I'll gladly take Creighton on. And the last game is the Auburn Tigers versus UC Santa Barbara. Love what UC Santa Barbara's doing. The Gauchos out of the Big West just had a big win over UC Davis at home the other night. Gus talked about that one. Auburn's hurting. No Macklemore after that gruesome injury at South Carolina. But I don't think their talent and three-point shooting is going to fail in this spot against UC Santa Barbara. I'll have Auburn moving ahead over the Tigers. So now in the second round, we have number one, Virginia versus number eight, Arizona State. Arizona State reminds me a lot of last year's UNC Wilmington team. They shoot the three. They're not afraid. They'll push the tempo. But that's not the type of team that's going to beat Virginia. Not this year. Not when Virginia has DeAndre Hunter, who's one of the best freshmen you never heard of. Not when they have Tony Bennett. Not when they have veteran players who've been in this system for so long. I'll take Virginia into the Sweet 16. Next game, you have the five Rhode Island Rams versus the four Wichita State Shockers. I really do like Rhode Island. But let's not forget they played in the A-10. Let's not forget that their caliber of teams that they've played really haven't been up to snuff. And Wichita State actually went out and played people in the non-conference. They played Baylor. They played Oklahoma State. They had Notre Dame when Notre Dame was fully loaded with Colson and Farrell dead to rights before losing it late. That non-conference schedule is going to help Wichita State get by Rhode Island in this game between two teams I absolutely love and would hate for them to be playing against each other. This would like be my partner Gus's version of Gonzaga versus New Mexico State. But I have Wichita State moving on. Next section, we have two upsets. North Carolina State Wolfpack against the Belmont Bruins. 11 versus 14. The Kevin Keats magic is real, folks. And their three-point shooting and the big man inside your seven is going to be too much for Belmont to handle. Belmont's going to be looking in the mirror at a team that likes to play like them, except with better athletes. A team that played in the Atlantic Coast Conference versus the Ohio Valley. And I like Kevin Keats and that group to get hot. Remember a few years ago when North Carolina State had their magic and knocked off number one seed of Villanova? Their magic's going to continue here, and they will move in to the Sweet 16, where they will face the winner of Creighton-Auburn. I really want to pick Creighton, and if Crample was there, I would pick Creighton. But even though there's no Macklemore, Creighton doesn't have the big men inside to pound Auburn on the glass. Auburn will get out and run. They'll have no problem, and they will wear down Creighton. Their guards will be able to slow down Foster and Thomas just a little bit. So even though they are hurt and they don't have their fully loaded team, they will move on, and the two-seed Auburn Tigers will go to the Sweet 16, where we have number one seed of Virginia, where we have number four seed of Wichita State, where we have the upset, number 11, North Carolina State, and number two, Auburn, at the top. In what could be one of the top three games of the entire NCAA tournament, the number four seeded Wichita State Shockers will continue the curse that's on the Virginia Cavaliers, and they will upset Virginia behind Landry Shamit, behind the shooting of Connor Frankamp, 
behind Shaq Morris inside, willing to mix it up. This will go exactly the way Cincinnati went. Both teams are on the road. Virginia won't shoot as well on the road. This will become a good old-fashioned, as Gus likes to say, rock fight. And Wichita State will upset the Cavaliers to move into the Elite Eight of the South bracket. And at the bottom, the North Carolina State Wolfpack will be able to continue their ride as an 11 seed to the Elite Eight. An 11 seed to the Elite Eight, much like Xavier last year. And they will upset the number two Auburn Tigers, who I loved. But after all the FBI investigations and the suspension of Austin Wiley and the suspension of Purifoy and and the hurt end of season terrible injury to Anthony McLemore, the Auburn Tigers will lose to Kevin Keats and North Carolina State with Jim Valvano smiling over them as they move into the Elite Eight against the number four Wichita State Shockers, a four versus an 11. And what's going to happen here? The Wichita State Shockers will deliver on the promise that I told you preseason, where they will steamroll into the Final Four, ending the drought. North Carolina State, who's been able to stay hot, but not for four games in a row this year. Cinderella will strike 12 on them, and the Shockers will move on to their Final Four with Greg Marshall and Landry Shamit shooting 45% from three-point range and represent the South region in San Antonio. And now let's move over to the East bracket, moving left to right here on Joe Lenardi's February 19th Bracketology. The playing game, because we are striving for the perfect bracket, is going to be the Southern Tigers from the SWAC against the Harvard Crimson, representative of the Ivy. Now, Harvard is tied with UPenn right now, but with Harvard going through, it presents a very interesting situation. They have the phenomenal trio of sophomores, Seth Towns, Bryce Aiken, Chris Lewis, But Bryce Aiken's only played 14 games, had a knee injury. He's come back. He's gone out again. He's come back again. And now he's been out the last few games. I'm thinking they're saving him for possibly the Ivy League end of season tournament. And this Harvard team with Tommy Amaker is very, very dangerous. They have experience. They've been there in the NCAA tournament. So certainly I'm going to put them through against Southern. Southern represented themselves well a few years ago when they played Gonzaga in the 116 game and gave Gonzaga with Kelly Olenek all they could handle. However, I will put the experience in Harvard through and they will go up against and lose against Villanova. The Wildcats right now certainly appear like the least vulnerable one seed. They're doing this all without Phil Booth, who should be back tomorrow on Wednesday at least in a limited role, and I have no problem with them going on and defeating Harvard, which will be a dangerous team in years to come because of those sophomores. Next, Florida State Seminoles and St. Mary's Gales. You know my thoughts here. I think you know where I'm going with this. St. Mary's has not played a difficult schedule. They had one really superb effort the entire year, and that was at Gonzaga, which is a team they've seen over and over again. Florida State will get out there. They will defend. They are big inside. They will cause all sorts of problems. Leonard Leonard Hamilton's group, which this week is now back in the AP rankings at 25. I think Leonard Hamilton's crew moves on against St. Mary's. Terrence Mann, Kofer, the whole crew. I don't think St. Mary's can stop them, and I think Florida State's going to stop them. So I have them moving on. That's your representative, the eight seed, Florida State Seminoles. Moving down, West Virginia versus Louisiana. Now, this can change, and this is fluid. I'm a believer in West Virginia. I'm a believer in their big wins. I'm a believer in them beating Trey Young in Oklahoma when Trey Young was not playing well. I'm a believer... I'm a believer in West Virginia beating Trey Young twice, especially when Trey Young was playing a lot better than he is now. 
I think Huggins can make a run. This is going to be one of the most difficult teams that you're going to have to handicap. They have very big wins, West Virginia. They beat Virginia earlier this year. What a great win that was. But they also have terrible losses and losing streaks, and they're up and down. But their style, when they get some rest and go into the NC tournament, honestly, probably one of the greatest things they could have is to not go to the championship game in the Big 12. I feel like they're tired and maybe they need to get refreshed and replenished. But when you give Huggins great guards and Miles and especially Javon Carter, who is an absolute first team Big 12 player of the year and had an outside shot coming into probably middle of the year for being the Big 12 player of the year. I think they're dangerous. I do not think West Virginia is losing to Louisiana. I know it's a 5-12 game, but I would put them through. Ohio State versus East Tennessee State. East Tennessee State in the Southern Conference lost tonight at home to the Citadel. So if you had any thought of possibly having them upset Ohio State, that's going out the window, especially now with Cam Williams back for Ohio State. He's going to work his way back in. Senior was back there. Ohio State. Chris Holtman. Tough to see a team with a great player in Keita Bates-Diop, who is probably going to be, or should be rather, the Big Ten Player of the Year, and a great coach in Chris Holtman. That's a deadly combination in the first round. I think Ohio State moves on. So that's a pretty chalky region there in the East. One Villanova, eight Florida State, five West Virginia, four Ohio State, going to the bottom. Oklahoma versus 11 Middle Tennessee State. If you don't know where I'm going with this, you have not been paying attention to this podcast at all. Nick King inside, Kermit Davis, great team. They've challenged themselves in the non-conference. Middle Tennessee State has. They've won at Western Kentucky in conference, at Murray State, at Vanderbilt, Old Miss. They beat Florida Gulf Coast twice. Their losses are even close. They had a close loss to Auburn, a close loss to USC, a close loss to Miami. This team is dangerous. They have experience. You know what they did to Michigan State a couple of years ago. Giddy Potts is still on this team. Absolutely, Middle Tennessee State will beat Oklahoma. I think they'd be favored in the game. I think Oklahoma's going the wrong way, and I would absolutely have the 11 seed Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders. Kermit Davis's Blue Raiders going through. Number three seed Cincinnati against 14 seed Ryder. I do think Cincinnati's defense is strong enough to avoid an upset. I don't like the everybody scores eight routine. I think somebody needs to step up there. Kane Broom is the only guy who looks like he can be electric at any time. I will have Cincinnati moving on against Ryder, however, and going to the last two games, Missouri versus Providence. Quanzo Martin has done an outstanding job. They've cut their teeth on the SEC. I liked Providence. Seven top returning scorers coming. The fight Ned Cooley's out of Rhode Island. But Providence has been way too up and down for me. Missouri could get Michael Porter Jr. back. There's an article out there about whether he should come back or not. Even if he doesn't come back, they've played hard. They've been in a tougher conference. I would put Missouri through. And the number two Duke versus number 15 Winthrop. Certainly, I think Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter and Grayson Allen and Trayvon Duvall and Gary Trent would be enough to avoid that 215 upset, even though Duke is not playing defense. He'll probably go zone, and I think that would slow down Winthrop. So your winners on the bottom bracket, 11 Middle Tennessee State, Cincinnati 3, Missouri 7, Duke 2. Now we go to the second. Now we go to the Sweet 16, the battles for the Sweet 16 there. Villanova will not get tripped up by Florida State. Florida State has not been consistent enough this year. I'll take Villanova moving on. West Virginia, the five versus Ohio State, the four. My gut tells me right now that West Virginia would move on. My gut tells me that their pressure would beat an Ohio State team that's been in an inferior conference in the Big Ten, who has not played as much talent as West Virginia has. I think their pressure is tough to replicate. They often get beat sometimes when they get upset West Virginia in that first round, but 
But when they get to that second round, that's tough to replicate. I think Ohio State would get blitzed. I think they'd be able to defend a Bates Diop. And I would put West Virginia through on the strength of their bigger wins this year as the five seed. On the bottom, number 11, Middle Tennessee State, and number three, Cincinnati. This is not the matchup that Cincinnati wants. They don't want a team with a great big Nick King. They don't want a team with Kermit Davis, who's a great coach. This is not what they want. If you're going to, Cincinnati's going to beat you, they have to have an advantage inside, and they wouldn't have that here. Middle Tennessee State has experience. They beat Minnesota last year. They moved on to the second round and fought Butler very tough. King is the difference. I think he will be able to score. I think they'll shoot from three. Giddy Potts is starting to get hot again. He was a little bit lower than his normal high 40% from three-point range in his career. I think Metal Tennessee State would take the upset. That would be the surprise in this region as the 11-seeded Blue Raiders would move through. On the bottom, I don't see Missouri beating Duke. I don't see a team, unless Michael Porter was there the entire year, but even if he's back, he's going to be rusty. I can't see Duke losing that, so I apologize for most chalk here. Villanova 1, West Virginia 5, Middle Tennessee State 11. There's your, there's your upset. And number 2, Duke going to the top. I don't see West Virginia being able to stifle Villanova with possibly the player of the year in Jalen Brunson. West Virginia will go cold at some point. Phil Booth will be a difference maker. Spellman is playing very, very well inside. I think Jay Wright's guards and his balanced offense gets him through. They play just enough defense here to keep West Virginia honest. I think this is where West Virginia runs into trouble. They'd have a whole week to prepare for them. Give me the Wildcats moving on as the one seed. And then on the bottom... I'd love to tell you Middle Tennessee State can beat Duke. I just think that the talent difference is too great. Trust me, folks. I'd love to find someone to knock off Duke. Not in this bracket. This is the ideal bracket they could get. The winner of Missouri-Providence. Winthrop first round. Winner of Missouri-Providence. Then Oak, Oklahoma, Middle Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Ryder. That's the dream matchup. Not a lot of high-powered offense in there. Not a lot of teams with huge bench production. This is what they would want and they would get through. So this region would be number one Villanova versus number two Duke. And I would see Villanova moving on. Duke is ook. There's no D on that team whatsoever. And that's going to eat up Villanova. They will be able to eat that up all day and night. So give me Duke moving on in the East region. Great job by Jay Wright. He will be in a Final Four. Now going down to the West. The West is on the same side as the South this year. First matchup, Kansas versus Wagner. Kansas would be a week one seed. That's not the team that's going to beat them in Wagner. Like what Wagner's doing there. The Seahawks out of the Northeast Conference, 13-3, and but they are not going to upset Kansas. Kansas will certainly get by them in round one. In probably the most interesting 8-9 game that, I've see, uh, that I see up here right now, number eight, Nevada, with no point guard in Lindsey Drew against number nine, Houston. Houston is a bit of an enigma. They've been up and down. They've had horrific games and great games. They have Rob Gray. He can score with anyone. Look at some of their wins for Houston. Arkansas, they beat. Providence, they beat. Temple, they beat. Wichita State, they beat. Cincinnati, and then they won at Temple. Those are RPI 1-50 wins. On top of that, their losses. They did lose at LSU in a close game. That's not an easy loss. Lost to Wichita State, lost to Cincinnati. This is a very tricky game. Now, here's Nevada. We love Nevada. I do. My partner loves them even more. But take a look at this. The only win they have over the RPI 1-50 to 50 
is Rhode Island. And that was a game where E.C. Matthews got hurt. Their other wins are from the 51-100 range. Davidson, Illinois State, UC Davis, Southern Illinois, at Fresno, Wyoming, Boise State, Fresno, at Boise. Very, very interesting. They lost a close one at Texas Tech. They did play TCU tough. I really struggle with this one. This is a difficult matchup for Nevada. I will stay with my heart, and I will stay with Nevada here. Moving on with Musselman, who I think is an excellent coach. But I don't feel great about it. This is a coin flip. Right now, I'm telling you, Nevada, by the time March Madness came, I may tell you, Houston, this is a very, very close game. And whoever wins this game has a legit shot against Kansas. I will go with the positionless basketball, even though losing your point guard is very, very difficult. So give me the eight seed, Nevada Wolfpack moving on. Number five, Gonzaga versus number 12, New Mexico State. Could you imagine my partner Gus having to pick this game? This would break his heart. It's easy for me. I'm going Gonzaga. New Mexico State, Jamario Jones, been fantastic all year, but Gonzaga has been battle-tested. Even though their conference, their non-conference schedule isn't great, they do have some big wins there. They played in PK, PK80, certainly. They beat Ohio State, oh, by the way, by 27. They beat Creighton, oh, by the way, by 17. Won at Washington by 27. Not easy. And destroyed St. Mary's in a game that wasn't that close. Throwing a win over Texas as well. They played Villanova at Madison Square Garden. Wasn't a great game. And even the St. Mary's game they lost was only by three. So Ruri Hashimura is the difference. That's the guy they don't have an answer to. New Mexico State does not have an answer for him. I will take them. Moving on with Mark Few. Again, a 5 beating a 12. I get nervous there, but I do think the, the Zags will move on. Number 4, Arizona. Number 13, South Dakota State. Who doesn't like Mike Dom? Arizona is a very, very fishy high seed because they've had trouble in the past in the tournament. But DeAndre Ayton is a difference maker. DeAndre Ayton is the player that other teams don't have. Love DeAndre Ayton. Trier's getting hot. Balkans is a matchup problem. Even Ristics played well lately. The size is too much for South Dakota State. I'll take Arizona, put Hawkins on Dom, and I think he'll slow him down. The play-in game here of St. Bonaventure versus Baylor. Now, Baylor has done a nice job. They've been hot. They got the doors blown off by West Virginia tonight, but they've been playing well. You know my thoughts on St. Bonaventure. They have a solid coach in Mark Schmidt. I think he's very underrated. They have not been healthy all year. Jalen Adams is finally looking like Jalen Adams. Mobley led this team early on. They're getting great contributions inside from Griffin. I love St. Bonaventure to move on against Baylor. Love it against that zone. I know it's a matchup problem, but Baylor is limited, folks. They have Manu LeConte. Joe Lualichil is not a great offensive player. Terry Maston off the bench, of course, is, is lights out. But without Maston having a big game, they're very, very vulnerable. So give me St. Bonaventure moving on as the 11 seed. And this is where I'm going to pick, as I said in my intro, I didn't have Syracuse or Texas beating Rhode Island. But what I will have here is St. Bonaventure defeating Kentucky. Kentucky has been spotty. They've been up and down. They win a couple. They lose a couple. They have... Really no lead score on this team. They have no identity whatsoever. That is a tailor-made matchup for St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure is of the Vermont ilk. And at the first game of the year, Vermont almost went down to Lexington and won. So give me the Bonnies advancing and continuing the streak of seven straight times that a first four team has moved on to the second round. Bonnies will beat Kentucky and move on. 
Number three, Carolina, North Carolina versus number 14, Charleston. Charleston, solid job, excellent job all around this year. They're not going to beat North Carolina, whether they go big or they go small. Roy probably go big in this game against Charleston. So give me the third seed, North Carolina, moving on. Number seven, Alabama versus number 10, Virginia Tech. Boy, I don't like going against Buzz Williams, but I think Colin Sexton is special. I think he's a difference maker. He sets everybody up. He's a nightmare matchup. Give me the number seven seed, Crimson Tide, moving on against Buzz Williams, Virginia Tech squad, especially on a neutral court where I think the dribbling and the ball handling is key. John Petty gets hot. This game will be over soon. And then Michigan State versus 15, Wright State. Love Wright State. Wright State is an issue. Solid team. Out of the horizon right now, tied at 13 and 3 with the North Northern Kentucky Norse. Not against Michigan State. This team is really starting to round into form. He has a deep bench, Tom Izzo. They press, they get up on you. And be very careful with Michigan State. The player that's coming on strong for Michigan State that is the difference maker is Xavier Tillman. The freshman 6'8 forward, Xavier Tillman, is very athletic. He's doing a lot of great things. He's pushing Nick Ward. Nick Ward is 13 points per game and 7.6 rebounds. But Xavier Tillman looked very good tonight. He's an X factor. He gives them another big off the bench. He can run the floor very well. Look at this team. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players that play at least 10 minutes per game. That is a problem. Tom Izzo will be able to guide them, certainly past Wright State in the first round. Now in the West, moving on to that second round of playing to the Sweet 16. You know, if if I had Houston against Nevada, I'd like them to move on against Kansas. I cannot possibly see the Nevada Wolfpack, who do not have a win over a ranked opponent this year, losing their point guard and knocking off Kansas. Kansas is ripe for a loss in this 8-9 game. This has Ali, Ali Farouk Manesh of Northern Iowa written all over it again. I don't see it beating Cody and Caleb Martin. I don't see Jordan Caroline dominating inside. I think Azabuki will have a good game here. Lightfoot's going to come off the bench and bring the hustle points, and I don't think Nevada has a ton off the bench. I'd love to see Kansas go down. This is not the spot. If they had Lindsey Drew, i pick Nevada no problem. I think you're losing your point guard's a big, big deal. So Kansas moves on there to the Sweet 16. On the bottom, this one will surprise you. You, Most people would pick Gonzaga, and Gonzaga would be favored. I'm going to go the other way with Arizona. I think that Perkins is not a player who can give them three, four good games in a row. And I think playing New Mexico State, he'd probably be okay. But I think Sean Miller would get all over him. And we've praised Arizona. And we've had them go into the Final Four. And then they lost to Wisconsin. And then they get upset early on. And then last year they had the big lead against Xavier but blew it. Now they're going to be under the radar. And that may be exactly what the Wildcats need. So give me the four seed. Arizona Wildcats moving on over Gonzaga in that top bracket to play Kansas. On the bottom, St. Bonaventure, love him, not against Joel Berry, not against Luke May, who will dominate inside, not against the experience of Old Roy, North Carolina, and their experience move on against St. Bonaventure, and Michigan State versus Alabama. Alabama has the talent. Michigan State has the bench and the discipline. Give me Tom Izzo, Michigan State, moving on to the Sweet 16. So four teams left, number one, Kansas, number four, Arizona, number three, North Carolina, number two, Michigan State. Total chalk here, but we did have that last year as well in one of the brackets. I am going to predict Arizona to defeat Kansas and go to the Elite Eight. I think this team is on a mission. I think they're getting hot at the right time. I, The Wildcats, there are some teams that you just need to doubt. And remember when Kansas won their title, it was the same way. 
Sometimes you just need to doubt them. They had Thomas Robinson. They made the finals. No one thought they had a chance. This is what Arizona needs. I like Arizona against Kansas. Aiton can dominate this game. Kansas will go through probably one of those games, right, where Mihailik and, and Graham don't shoot well and they're dead. And that's what I think would happen here. So I would have Arizona as the four seed upsetting Kansas. And on the bottom, Michigan State versus North Carolina, which is a tremendous matchup. I like Michigan State. I like Michigan State to move on. They played him earlier this year and beat him 63-45. I don't think anything changes. There are so many bigs they can throw at Luke May, and they do have experience, and they have Miles Bridges. Theo Pinson would have to guard him, but then they have Winston and Langford, and Berry can take one. It's just too bad of a matchup for them. They do what North Carolina does, but a little bit better. They move on, and then Michigan State versus Arizona. I think Michigan State has too much depth. Too much talent. I know they turned the ball over. But again, I think Arizona can make a nice run. I'd love to see him get to a Final Four. But Michigan State's got three or four bigs they can throw at Aiton. And I think that they eventually wear him down. And they move on to the Final Four from the West region. So we got our three Final Four teams so far. We have Wichita State in the South. We have Villanova in the East. There's our one seed going through. And we have Michigan State in the West. Now we'll go to the Midwest, our last region. Xavier versus Florida Gulf Coast. Boy, I will tell you, this would be, I think this would be an under six-point line is what it would be. Florida Gulf Coast has the experience. That is not who Xavier wants to see at all. The issue I have this year with Florida Gulf Coast is the top RPI team that they've defeated is Illinois State. They've beat Illinois State. They've beat Linscombe. Then they've beaten Siena, Denver, Navy. They just don't have enough wins. They lost to Middle Tennessee State twice, home and away. They lost to Wichita State. They got blown out by Rhode Island. I don't think this is the year that Florida Gulf Coast, the 16th seed, can beat Xavier. So I'll put Xavier through and have them moving on. It would be a great game. I'd love to see Brandon Goodwin and Zach Johnson and Christian Terrell go at it with them. I really would. But, folks, if they haven't beaten an RPI team, this isn't a team that, like a Wofford, let's say, you know, that pulled the upset at North Carolina. I can't come up with a reason why Xavier would lose. They have Trayvon Blood. He's the best player on the floor. So give me Xavier moving on. I wanted to, but I just couldn't pull the trigger there. The 8-9 game is Miami versus TCU. Miami without Bruce Brown is a different team. They had a nice win against Notre Dame at Notre Dame the other night. But TCU has been up and down. We love what Jamie Dixon is doing. Brodzianski, Kendrick Williams. I know they don't have Jalen Fisher. He's out. And Alex Robinson has taken over there at the point guard position. But they do have a fairly deep group there. Robinson can do a nice job. He's got to get better on his three-pointers, only 32%. But I like TCU in that matchup moving on. I think Jamie Dixon and Jim Laranega are both excellent coaches. It's almost a wash. So give me TCU moving on as the ninth seed. Number five, Michigan versus Loyola, Chicago. This would definitely be an upset as the 5-12 game that a lot of people would pick. I think this would be a low line. Loyola Chicago's beaten Florida. They've beaten Illinois State. Both of those games were on the road, and they beat Southern Illinois. They got blown out at Boise State, which was which was one of their tougher losses this year. But with Beeline and with Moritz Wagner inside and with a team that can shoot the three like Michigan can, I don't see this upset. So while I can't believe I'm doing this, I had Rhode Island as the five through. I had West Virginia as the five through. I had Gonzaga as the five through. I'm going to put number five Michigan through. And I know that that's certainly something you're going to think is absolutely nuts, but 
I'm going to put a lot of 11 seeds through, as you'll see in a minute. So I'm going to take Michigan. No 12s will upset a 5. For only the fifth time since the tournament expanded in 1985, will no 12 seed defeat a 5. Last time was 2015. Before that was 2007. I'm going to have Michigan going through. I can hear Gus laughing right now. Stay with my Michigan team. I know Loyola Chicago is live. I think having a big and shooting the three well and having a great coach is not exactly the recipe for the upset for Loyola Chicago. Number four, Tennessee versus number 13, Buffalo. I think this is a strength game for Rick Barnes. I think the big men inside, Williams and Schofield, do some damage. They are a tough matchup, Tennessee. They almost beat Villanova this year. They did beat Purdue this year, and I will put them past Buffalo, who's very live as a 13, but give me the four Tennessee volunteers moving on. Now let's get interesting. Six, Florida versus 11, Kansas State. You know, I like Florida, but... I feel like I've been waiting at the bus stop for them to come by and take off, and they just haven't done it. They just don't seem to have it this year. Not the magic that they had last year. I love Florida. I'm a huge Florida guy. I remember Kenny Boynton in that group. Remember Joe Kim Noah and Billy Donovan. I love Florida. But I think this Kansas State team, which has overachieved the entire year, they're eight and six in the Big 12, they're 19 and eight overall. They beat Oklahoma, they they beat TCU, they won at Baylor, they won on the road at Iowa State, not easy. Georgia at Texas, Oak State, Iowa State again. Their losses, close games, Arizona State by two, West Virginia by eight, struggled at Texas Tech, should have won at Kansas, lost by one. At West Virginia, Texas Tech, this is a team with their guards and their ability That's going to cause a lot of problems. They just got Stokes back. Dean Wade, 16 points a game. Barry Brown, 16 points a game. Sneed, they're athletic. They shoot the three. They're aggressive. I think in a lot of ways, they're going to come in with no fear against Florida. Florida's a team that can go on runs, that can hit a couple threes, really throw you off your game. Kansas State's just going to let them shoot, and they're going to run with them. And I think Kansas State, I trust them more on offense than I do Florida. I've watched them up and down, back and forth. They've had a, they should have won this SEC this year. It was ripe for the taking. They're eight and six in the ACC, 17 and 10 overall. Sure, they beat Gonzaga in the great overtime game, and they beat Cincinnati earlier in the year. But they lost to Duke. They lost to Florida State. They lost at home to Loyola Chicago. They lost to Clemson, and they lost to Alabama badly recently. I'm off the Florida train. I've given them a chance to right the ship, and they never have. So give me the 11 seed Kansas State. Wildcats moving on against Florida, which means, folks, if you've paid attention, I got the 11 seed North Carolina State Wolfpack over six Texas A&M. I got the McGiddy Potts of Middle Tennessee State over Oklahoma. I got the St. Bonaventure winning the playing game against Baylor and then knocking Kentucky out in the first round and Kansas State going up against Florida. That is all four 11 seeds moving on. That makes up for not having a five lose to a 12. Clemson versus Bucknell out of the Patriot League. Bucknell always does a nice job. Always a team ever since they held that shirt up with the chest against Kansas to be dangerous. I'm going to take Clemson to move on. They have the guards. No Grantham. I'm not having them go far, but I don't like the matchup against Bucknell. If I had them against a St. Bonaventure, if I had them against a New Mexico State, something like that, I would absolutely have them losing, but not against Bucknell. Clemson's going to move on. Then number seven, Butler versus number 10, Arkansas. Arkansas gets up and down. Butler is tough. Kentucky had a huge win tonight at Arkansas, hurting them at home. They also had the the odd loss at home blowout to LSU. Tough team to figure here. But this isn't your normal Butler team. This isn't your Brad Stevens, Chris Holtman team. 
Butler away from home has been very shaky. At home, in their place, they're unbeatable. But on the road, they haven't been great. They have great wins. They beat Ohio State, Utah, Villanova, Providence, and Creighton. But on the road, uh, their, their losses, however, they lost to Purdue. There's no shame in that. They did lose at Xavier Big. They lost to Seton Hall at home. That's a bad loss. They got blo- they lost at Creighton. It really wasn't close. They lost at Providence. They also lost at Maryland, which is a head scratcher. They lost earlier in the season to Texas. And then they lost at home to Georgetown. That is the one that throws me off their scent. Give me Arkansas last year with Mike Anderson and their athleticism. Give me that Arkansas team moving on into the second round there, playing well in the NCAA tournament like they did last year. On the bottom, Purdue versus Montana. Who doesn't love the Grizz? But Purdue's got probably the most consistent team along with Villanova this year, so the Boilermakers will move on. So going into the Sweet 16 round in the Midwest region, Xavier versus TCU. I'm putting TCU through. I think Xavier is a vulnerable one seed. They've had some close calls, especially at home. They don't break you down off the dribble. Jamie Dixon will come up something for them. I like Chris Mack. They've been very shaky this year. They've been solid, but then they have kept teams in games and they have troubleshooting when they're away from home. Blown out, remember, this year by Arizona State. TCU can really get after them. Give me TCU and Jamie Dixon fighting his way in the Big 12 to upset the one seed and move on to the Sweet 16. Number five, Michigan versus number four, Tennessee. I like Michigan. I like Michigan's three-point shooting. I like John Beeline. I think Tennessee is overachieved. Give me Michigan to stay hot shooting the three and moving on into the Sweet 16. On the bottom, number 11, Kansas State versus number three, Clemson. I'm going to take Kansas State to go through. Clemson is waiting to get picked off. Bucknell's not going to do it. Kansas State will. And if you're Florida fans, you better be Kansas State because you're going to be Clemson. The winner of that game in this setup by Joe Lenardi would certainly go on to the Sweet 16. It's going to be Kansas State and Bruce Weber moving on in the Sweet 16. On the bottom, Purdue versus Arkansas. Purdue would get out early. Purdue would get out often and they would move on. There would be no problem with Butler either, but I got Arkansas moving on and losing to Purdue. Now the Sweet 16, number nine, TCU and number five, Michigan. That's right. That's right. And you're not going to like it. The Michigan Wolverines will go back to the Elite Eight. They will move on. The Michigan Wolverines will advance to the Elite Eight, the game that they almost beat Oregon in advance to last year and could have maybe gone to a Final Four. They will beat TCU because they will play a little bit better defense and have a better coach in beeline. Michigan will move on to the Elite Eight in the Midwest bracket. And who will they face there? They will face the Purdue Boilermakers as the two seed. Purdue inside, outside, healthy. As much as I don't like Painter in a big spot, this is a pretty easy bracket for them. It reminds me of the Duke bracket as well. So give me Purdue moving on against Michigan in an all Big Ten Elite Eight. And I will put Purdue through. I would love to tell you, Michigan, I can't do it. The Boilermakers would move on. They would move into the Final Four, giving you a number two seed Purdue team in the Final Four. So my Final Four would be number four, Wichita State, who would play number two, Michigan State. And number one, Villanova, who would play number two, Purdue. You could see this happening, folks. Everybody would say the Villanova-Purdue matchup is the one that should be in the finals, right? The whole thing. Wichita State versus Michigan State. I would put Michigan State through. I think they have just a better all-around talented team. I would put the Spartans through Michigan State. They would end up playing Villanova, the one seed, who would knock off Purdue in what would be a legendary game. 
But I think Dante DiVincenzo coming off the bench with Booth back would be the big difference there against Purdue. I think they have more balance. I think they come up with a way to contain Haas, maybe finally gets in foul trouble, which he's avoided. So give me Michigan State, the two seed, versus Villanova, the one seed, and what should be a fantastic championship game. And despite all the negative turmoil and despite all the stuff going on off the court, give me Michigan State and Tom Izzo cutting the nets down, like I said in the preseason, defeating Villanova and Jay Wright with their balance, with their depth, hanging a title in 2018. The Spartans would be your 2018 champion. So there you go, folks. Took you through the bracket. That's practice one of many I'm going to have here on Randall Rant for you. Screen the Screener podcast, bringing you a ton of interviews, bringing you a ton of things. But what you must do is you must practice. You must practice filling out the bracket. Don't wait. You practice driving as a kid. You practice working out when you're in athletics and practicing getting ready for a big game. You practice typing. You're practicing for March Madness. And that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to give you tips. I'm going to tell you who I like. It's going to roll. It's going to change. Somebody could get upset and then I would change my mind the next day. We'll use a different bracketology coming up in a few days now. This is what you have to do. Tune into the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. Follow myself at Randall Rant. Follow my partner Gus at Currents 12 and the podcast, most importantly, at SDS Podcast. If you like what you listen to, go on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Please screen the screener college basketball podcast. Just like we did with Rocky, we're going to practice. Let's keep practicing, folks. This is round one. We're under three weeks to March Madness into the Selection Sunday, and I can't wait. Hear the music coming in. Going to do my push-ups and sit-ups. Going to start studying up, and we'll bring you some more facts and another bracket in a few days. 